The following podcast is a production of the Austin Radio Network. This is the only sports podcast in America that can throw a tight spiral, guard the perimeter, and always has its head on a swivel. Welcome to the Full Sports Monty with your host, Monty Williams. Hello, thank you for joining us on the Full Sports Monty. My name is Monty Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at Monty Williams. That's M-O-N-T-E. If you type in M-O-N-T-Y, you will be getting it to an NBA coach. M-O-N-T-E Williams at Monty Williams on Twitter. I also want to thank, as I always do, uh, the midshipman Nicholas Hayak, who voices our intro and outro for the Full Sports Monty. He has been selected to be the 2018 voice of the brigade at the U.S. Naval Academy. And he is also, in fact, the brother of the producer of this show, Dylan Fry. And I'm excited to say today we're going to get to know Dylan a lot better. Dylan is my guest. Hey, Dylan. How's it going, Monty? I'm good. I'm very good. And I want to set this up correctly because uh, Dylan has had a a very intense sports career despite his early age. He is, a have called him before, is the pride of UT Arlington, but he also interned at uh, 105.3, the fan, which is the uh, flagship station of the Dallas Cowboys. He's also worked for the uh, Round Rock Express. He is now a rising star at 104.9 FM, the horn, and I'm really lucky to have him as uh, as the producer of this show. But beyond that, he is a budding screenwriter. He's very interested in screenwriting, which, of course, I have done. And he also is almost perversely immersed into the baseball trade deadline, which occurs uh, Tuesday. And so this is one of those time-sensitive material, open-immediately podcasts that we do every so often. But I wanted to talk to Dylan about about the trade deadline. I don't know that much. I'm not a fantasy football guy. I don't really know that much about trade deadlines and who's up and who's down. I watch a lot of baseball, but that's never been my interest. However, I know some people are very interested in it. What I asked Dylan to do instead is to put on his screenwriting hat and come to me with a couple of pitches why this trade deadline is interesting. Not as much important, because I know trades can really change the complexion of the season in the second half, but what? why is Dylan so interested? So, Dylan, what I ask you to do is to kind of approach me with a couple of pitches. Here's a great trade deadline story, as if you were coming into a network or a studio and, and pitching a story. Are you prepared to do that? I am prepared, and uh, just a little bit about me. I came from a small town of Venus, Texas. The reason I am so into the trade deadline and why I'm such a nerd is we weren't very good at sports. So I always loved the build, like building to national prominence or, you know, something like that. If you are an MLB team and NFL team, I love prospects. So it's not as much about the team. It's the individual. The stories are individual stories. Who's getting traded? Who's not getting traded? It's not following your favorite teams. It's seeing these up and coming stars. Yes. The up and coming stars, as well as the team building all at the same time. All right, well, hit me. Okay, son, you come into my studio. Here I am. I'm a studio head. I have a big cigar I'm chewing on. I go, what's this kid's name? Dylan Fry. Okay, Dylan, what do you have? Give me <laughs> give me your first one. Now, the first one might have been done before. Okay. 
a team with they a real... all have been kids. Yeah, Let me just say there are no there are no original stories. <laughs> I think this one definitely isn't an original. A team with a really low budget has to find unconventional ways to compete with the big money teams all around them. I like it. Tell me more. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about Moneyball with the Oakland Athletics. They are getting really close in that AL West race, trying to uh, keep up with the defending champion Houston Astros and Seattle Mariners. So they're always that kind of team where you can't predict what they're going to do. Well, that being said, kid, what are they going to do? Well, they have a lot of young players. Uh, I feel like they're going to kind of hang back. I feel like they are, they're not quite there. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to catch the Mariners and the Astros. I mean, maybe they could go with a little bit of uh, starting rotation help. Maybe they even call up one of their prospects. Are you saying that ultimately what really allows a team or compels a team to pull the trigger is if they have a chance at either a division title or a wild card? I mean, if they if they know they're not going to pass Seattle and Houston, they're they're out of the wild card race. I mean, they're a few games back, right? Yeah, but, a few games but, back. But I mean that that's enough to just say we'll sit on what we have for now. Especially for a team like Oakland where they have to rely so heavily on their prospects. If they're going to trade for a a rental bullpen piece or a rental starter or someone that can help in their lineup that's only going to be here for a year and a half. Of course, someone with a low budget like Oakland wants to hold on to their prospects that they're going to have to trade for that player that will be there for six years and possibly beyond. You know, um, I worked on a TV show. Uh, It never made it on the air, but uh, we worked on a TV show, and the actress with whom we worked played... Is it Billy Bean? Billy Bean. Billy Bean's wife in the in the movie Moneyball, um, Brad Pitt. And they cut her out of the entire movie after it was shot. They said, you know what? Billy Bean's wife is not important. And they they cut her out of uh of the entire movie. She never appeared. She got paid, of course, but she was Brokenhearted. Anyway, see, that's my Billy Bean story. It has nothing to do with baseball. You know, nobody expected the 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 Mariners to be this good, though, did they? I, I kind of did, actually. I uh, I believe I picked them second in the AL West. It was kind of a toss up between the Angels, which I kind of felt were like, yes, they had Mike Trout and they had the new Shohei Otani, the the big Japanese import, but I felt like they were a little bit lower than the Mariners. The Mariners have been one of those teams the past few years where. They're always so close. They're so close. They're supposed to be so good. And then, of course, injuries bring them down like crazy. This year, everything's kind of going right for them, though. So the first pitch you gave me was the Oakland A's. They're, they're, they, they're overachieving given their budget and the money they have to spend. But where does it go? Where do you see them going? They, they, they finish out of the playoffs, right? I, I feel like they finish third in the AL West out of the playoffs. And, uh, and not a player in the uh, trade action before Tuesday. They could possibly make a, a small move, uh, maybe a, a controllable reliever or a controllable starter, but I don't see them going for someone that's a rental player. All right. All right. Well, we'll put that in development. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? What's next? All right. A pitcher who is coming into the twilight of his career is unhappy with his current situation and wants to return home to potentially finish his career where it all started. Home. He wants to go home. See, I like that. I like that. He Un- wouldn't wear ruby slippers. Would he? Like <laughs> he would not, but there is no place like home for one Cole Hamels. Unfortunately, be- my audience changed before we recorded this podcast. Chicago? He is going to the Chicago Cubs. He, he should thrive there. I really think he will. He's pitched well 
Uh, and that's it, a pitcher's ballpark, right? Yeah, for the most part, it's kind of one of those hybrid parks, is what I like to call them, because it, it is a pitcher's park, but at the same time, that wind can blow out in the beautiful confines of Wrigley Field, and it could be a hitter's paradise as well. So where was he headed before he ended up in Chicago? Looks like he was... Uh, interested in going to the Phillies. He talked to a Philadelphia newspaper about com- going back home where he spent, I believe, uh, seven, eight years of his career and won a World Series. Well, and you know, I'm a diehard Cardinal fan, so, <laughs> you know, if, if if Cole Hamels is in the twilight of his career, then then maybe I'm for that. No, he's still got some stuff, but I know he's, he, most people think he's, 2009, 2010, he was unhittable. Yeah, he's uh he's pitched well away from the hitter friendly uh, Globe Life Field or as BK on midday with Trey and BK likes to call it the Temple in Arlington. Yeah. I'm gonna wait until the new ballparks open before I call one of them the Temple, but uh, will uh that'll be in 2020. Uh, Cole Hamels going back to the National League's pitched well in Wrigley, a three three and one record with a 1.76 ERA in Wrigley Field, as well as this year he's pitched well against the contenders that they'd be going up against. And ultimately, I know the Pirates are red hot right now. Yes, they are. Uh, who's it going to be? The Cubs, the Brewers, the Pirates? I am definitely – I I love the underdog. Uh, I've been uh, kind of a Brewers supporter, I guess you could say, all, years, all year long. I'm definitely a Rangers fan by heart. That was my first love. But I, I've been a Brewers supporter all year long, and I think that they're going to make uh, a lot of inroads in the National League. And they very well could win the World Series if they make the right uh, trades at the trade deadline. I'll tell you. At least you, you know, because I was prepared to say if you went, I, I really want the Cubs to win and like the Cubs. I was like, get this kid out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Cole Hammers, Hamels to the Cubs instead of the Phillies, but you still think the Brewers uh, in that division have the best chance to uh, get into the into the postseason? I feel like the Cubs and the Brewers are both going to make the postseason, but one of them will be the wild card. I think the Brewers could win that division, though. I, I think that they could give the Cubs a run for their money. Of course, Cole Hamels is going to be a, a big factor in that. All right, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll put that in development too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you have next? Always in the shadows of the Big Brother, a team is trying to return to prominence in their town by beating Big Brother once and for all. Big Brother once and for all. So does that mean they are in the same league? They're in the same town. Not the same league. Are we talking about the Mets? We are talking about the Mets. Okay. The Mets uh, are possibly looking to uh, to deal some of their big pitchers that they have, uh, trying to, I guess, essentially rebuild. Uh, they are not in the race this year, but do have some good pieces, like a Jacob deGrom, who has been the most underrated pitcher in baseball this year. He has actually also been the best pitcher in baseball this year from a wins-above-replacement perspective. Explain that, wins-above-replacement. It's kind of hard to understand, but this is, long story short, it doesn't factor in what the other members of your team Uh does. Uh So it's the wins that you are solely responsible for for your team, and he's got like seven of those this year. And that's a lot for a pitcher. He, I believe the next closest has about 5.4. I want to say, but he has been phenomenal this year, but it would take a huge return to get someone like him or even Noah Syndergaard, who out of Mansfield Legacy High School in Uh Mansfield, Texas, he could be on the move as well. Uh, do we know where the pitcher's going? We we don't. Uh, I've heard uh, the Padres rumors rumored. I've heard the Yankees rumored. But if someone like this is on the block, I feel like everybody's going to be into getting one of these pitchers. I'll put that in development. <laughs> it's a common thing. I got a big development budget this year, so I'm putting everything into development. Okay, what do you got? 
All right, so a team's window is closing. A general manager needs to make a decision on what to do with their superstar who has played with the team since he was 17 years old who will be a free agent at the end of the season. I think I know this. You know exactly where I'm going. I know know where you're going with this. And it is surprising that their window is closing. Just a few years ago, the future looked so bright, and it just hasn't worked out the way you would think. You are talking about our nation's capital. I am. uh, Washington, D.C. with the Washington Nationals. Uh, They are uh, (laughs) 51 and 51 right now, so they they could still make a run at a wild card berth. I don't see them upseating the Phillies in the AL East, but they are seven and a half they're seven out of their division and four and a half out of the wild card. They have the talent to make a run, like I said, but they have to catch, like I said earlier, the Brewers and the Atlanta Braves in the wild card. You know, and you think of that pitching staff and you've got, you know, Scherzer and, and Strasburg, they were so parsimonious with Strasburg early in his career, held him to a very, very restrictive pitch count, tried hard to keep him from getting injured, but he's he's had injury problems. He went on the DL yesterday, actually. Wow. Yeah. And I know he's he's they've had some words, haven't they? Scherzer and Strasburg. I, I feel I've like heard they, have, they don't yeah. get along. Um, not too sure about getting along. I think it's more like the the competitor in both of them. Uh, I feel like they there's a mutual respect there. Of course, Max Scherzer, the a, the NL starter this year in the All Star game, one of the best pitchers in baseball for the past five years or so. Uh, I feel like it's just the competitor in both of them. Steven Strasburg, a former number one overall pick, and they both got that competitive fire inside them. And, of course, you're talking in terms of the trade about Bryce Harper. Yes, Bryce Harper. uh, He is going to be a free agent at the end of the season, and I feel he's not coming back to Washington, D.C. I really don't feel that he is. There are some articles out that have the top ten teams that Bryce Harper may end up on, and none of them are the Nationals. Yeah, I mean, I, don't see I think it. the sports writers, and I will include you in that, um, think he's gone. I mean, they seem sure that he's gone. I feel that if they would have won a World Series, it it's kind of a double edged sword because if they win a World Series, it could make it easier for Bryce Harper to go, or if they don't win a World Series, that could make it easier or harder for Bryce Harper to go because maybe he wants to bring that World Series to the nation's capital. Okay, so let me let me recap here. I've got the I've got the little team with the little budget that's still trying to do great things. I have the pitcher who wanted to return home but he can't because he's going to Chicago instead. I have the uh I have the the high-powered club that despite their best efforts to keep the window open, the window is closing. Which one did I miss? The uh, the Big Brother. They're always in the shadow of the Big Brother. The big Brother. Trying the to Yankees beat Big Brother Mets. once and for all. That's very good. Very very well done. Very well done. Those are good pitches. Now I think I've you know I've I've, I've helped you for when you do go in a, in into Hollywood and you start pitching the studios, and then I hope you'll have the good taste. To, to bring me along for some sort of job if you do that. Of course. I am completely uh, in on that. I guess uh, we could go around Texas. Yeah, let's, let's, now let's, uh, let's talk about the, the, the trade deadline in terms of the Astros and the Rangers. Okay. The Astros, of course, the defending world champions, uh, they don't really need too much help other than uh, bullpen. Uh, their starting rotation is absolutely phenomenal. Their best lineup the is— I mean, best in the game, isn't it? Of course, yeah. Justin Verlander, uh, Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton, very underrated there. Uh, 
and Garrett Cole. How how can I forget former number one overall pick Garrett Cole? But uh, they're looking for bullpen help. The Nationals, if they decide to sell, have a few pieces like uh, Calvin Herrera, who they actually traded for this season from the Kansas City Royals. That could be a quick turnaround for him, getting traded twice in one season. But that's, of course, if they decide to sell. The Rangers, if they want to make a trade within their own division, they've got a couple of pieces that they could dangle to the Astros. And they those are controllable relievers as well who will be there for the next few years, like a Keone Kella or a Jose Leclerc, who I don't really see moving this year. And obviously, as a Rangers fan myself, I don't want to see Keone Kella 17 to 18 times a year. <laughs> You'd rather have him than yeah, him. I would definitely rather have him. But the team that I think is a team to watch with the Astros is the Cincinnati Reds and Rizel Iglesias. He's a controllable reliever. He's got a very good sinker that I think would play well in the Astros ballpark. And what do you I mean like by controllable a, reliever? Controllable reliever means that they're just going. They're controllable for the next season or a season after that. So uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a contract thing. Yes, not it's a, a contract not a, thing. Not a pitch control kind of thing. Yes, it is a, it's a contract thing. Uh, Raziel Iglesias, like I said, has a, has a great sinker. He'll, he'll pitch well in that ballpark. And I feel like he'll do well in the AL, uh, AL West as well with the, the hitters ballparks like Oakland and L.A. and Seattle that the Astros are going to have to play. If I divide the first half of the season itself into two halves, the Astros' bullpen was very shaky in the first half. But in the second half of the first half, which would be the second quarter of the season, they 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 improved and pretty markedly, correct? Yeah, they they don't mean they don't need to make a bullpen deal, is what I guess I'm trying to say. It's kind of one of those things where, yeah, they don't need, really need to make a move at all. They are they have the team to compete for a World Series again, but it's always good to have someone else that can come in and contribute to your team. Yeah, somebody wants to put money in my bank account. I, I've hardly ever said no. <laughs> uh, l- let me ask you. You know, the Yankees and the Red Sox once again. It just it's such a such a fun fun rivalry to see this year. The Yankees have just this team that is just so much fun to watch. But my gosh, the Red Sox are good. What 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 do you see those teams doing in terms of moves? It's very very tough. Uh, the Yankees have made two moves already, so I think they might be. They might be out for the rest of the trade deadline, barring some kind of huge blockbuster move. I feel like uh, they could go after one of the Mets team, the Mets pitchers, Degrom, Syndergaard, someone like that. What moves did the Yankees make? They uh, traded for Zach Britton from the Baltimore Orioles, gave up three pitching prospects for him, as well as they traded for Jay Happ yesterday from the Toronto Blue Jays. Two interdivision trades. You don't see that very often, especially with a team like the Yankees. And the Red Sox. The Red Sox, they have not made any moves yet. Uh, I feel like they could go after a bullpen piece. They could go after someone that could come in and play uh, one of the corner outfields, one of the uh, the corners in the infield, third base, first base. They could get a bat in there. Maybe they trade for someone like an Adrian Beltre from the Texas Rangers who could come in and maybe DH a little bit as well, and they could put J.D. Martinez, who has been phenomenal for the Red Sox this year, at first base or out in the outfield in his natural position. And you're very active on on Twitter. Uh, I believe your handle is at not that fry. That's correct. At not that fry. You can follow Dylan Fry on at not that fry on Twitter. And for weeks, you were really, really interested in where Machado was going to go. Yes, from the, from the Orioles. <laughs> and now we know that we do. He is going to be going to the bright lights of Los Angeles. He can be LeBron's best friend. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, I think that you know, I mean, I, I, I've always liked the Dodgers. We talked about uh, you're a you, you have a 
well, I don't know whether the guy in his 20s needs to have a bucket list. That usually kicks in later in life. But I know you want to go see these classic old ballparks like Fenway and Wrigley Field. I think I told you I went to the old Tiger Stadium and just absolutely loved it. But as as I, you know, my business takes me out to uh, Los Angeles frequently, um, there's nothing like Chavez Ravine. I just think Dodger Stadium is one of the coolest it's just this retro. So I hope you get out there. Oh, I definitely want to. I don't think that they'll be able to build another ballpark anytime soon. So I think that one will be there for a little bit. But I've got a really good friend that lives in Los Angeles. So I'll have to go out there and go to a Dodgers game. No, the Dodgers are they are big. The Dodgers are big out there. I was really surprised when because I, I grew up not liking that. As I say, I, I used to go to Cardinal games, and, and the Dodgers were kind of the, the, uh, the big pitching rival. You know, I mean, they had uh, the Cardinals had Gibson and then Carlton, and Steve Carlton, and I mean, they 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 had a formidable pitching staff. But then the the Dodgers bring in Don Drysdale and <laughs> Koufax earlier, and I, you know, I mean, so the Dodgers always to me were a team I didn't much care for. But once I started to go out to L.A., I fell in love with the franchise. The Dodgers are a lot of fun. That they are. I, I know we were talking yesterday with uh, Craig Way before we recorded uh-huh. uh, an episode with him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And we talked about who you would go back and watch or some players that you would want to go back and watch. And uh, what kind of players would you want to go back and watch if you could see a player from any era? Well, uh, like I say, I guess I guess there, you'd have to break them into who do I remember watching and who have I never seen. Like I never saw Joe DiMaggio play. I never saw Babe Ruth play. I, I never saw Ty Cobb play. Um, out of those, you know, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Babe Ruth pitch. Yes. I really would have loved to have seen that. But as far as players that I can either dimly or or recently remember, um, I'd love to go back and see Roberto Clemente. And this may be an off-the-nose pick, Bo Jackson. I'd yeah. love to go back and see Bo Jackson again because he had a – so you talk about launch angle. My goodness. He had a swing that was just, you know, a devastating baseball swing. Cut short too soon by his hip injury. But uh, I'd love to go back and see Bo Jackson and then Bob Gibson. I mean, I think we talked about that yesterday. I think he threw a pitch once every eight seconds. You know, the batter was constantly calling timeout. So much so that the umpire would finally go, hey, you know, it's up to him. He's ready to throw. Get ready to hit. (laughs) Yeah, that that would uh, be someone that's very interesting to see. I actually picked Babe Ruth. Oh, really? Yeah, yes, I did because I feel like he just had this aura about him where everybody, even in a time when social media was not a thing, when you know you had to listen to the games on the radio or something like that, I feel like everybody still knew who Babe Ruth was. Everybody knew in New York City, that's Babe, that's Babe Ruth's town. That's the house that Ruth built. And I, I, I uh, would have loved to have seen Lou Gehrig. I mean, you know, Agreed. I mean, as a matter of fact, Murderer's Row must have been a heck of a thing to go and see them every day. Uh, the old Yankee Stadium. You know, you think of baseball at that time, Yankee Stadium, Ebbets Field. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Dodgers and the Giants and the Yankees all right there in New York City, the metropolitan area. That must have been something for a baseball fan. Well, Dylan, tell me, who do you see, like, standing at the end? Who who are my division winners? Who are my wild card teams, and what's going to happen? 
I guess we'll start with uh, the league that has been decided for a very long time until Oakland <laughs> decided that they were going to play some baseball. We'll start with the American League. The AL East, I've got Boston winning it. They are ahead of the Yankees by a lot at the time of this recording. They are four and a half games ahead of the Yankees right now with a 71-33 and 33 record. Uh, the Yankees, I think, are going to win a wild card. They'll probably host the wild card game, and uh, that's a big reason why they traded for someone like Zach Britton in an already stacked bullpen because in a one-game playoff, you want to have as many matchups as possible. Let me let me interrupt you, too, and ask you, are you in favor of this current wild card format where it's a single game? You know, I love it, it. Used to be, it used to be that if you ended the season tied, you played a one-game playoff. But this, this one-game wild card system, do you like it? It's very unique, not necessarily unique, but very intense for that one game playoff it's some of the best baseball that you can watch every year no you, you can tell the players are uh, I've always made the analogy in terms of playoff baseball I can lay a board on a floor the board's like six inches wide and ask you to walk across that board and you won't have any problem but you put that board a thousand feet in the air and you're terrified to walk across <laughs> the very same board and and that's the way those one-game playoffs are. I mean, players are tight. They would like to hope that they're loose, but they're not. And body language was su- is such a big thing in sports. Yeah, you can just feel the tension. It's palpable, a single game. When they first announced it, I was more in favor of a three-game yep. wildcard series. Uh, definitely a shorter series than the five games in the ALDS. But when I watched the very first year of the wildcard, of course, my Rangers lost, so I'll talk about the NL wild, wild card that year. <laughs> okay. When I watched, when I watched that game that year, it was some of the most intense baseball I had ever seen, and it was absolutely phenomenal. And I was one hundred percent bought in. So you got the Yankees hosting a, the one game wild card. Yes, uh, the NL or the AL Central is definitely going to be the Cleveland Indians. Uh, the Minnesota is seven games back, but that's pretty much decided. It's going to be Cleveland. And then uh, in the AL West, I've got Houston winning the AL West. Uh, what's going to come down in the American League is the last wild card spot. Is it going to be Seattle or is it going to be Oakland? Oakland. They're, they're a game apart right now. But you're saying in either case they travel east and play the Yankees. In either case they travel east and play the Yankees. Uh, Seattle is 61-41 and 41 right now. Uh, Oakland is 61-43. and 43. The Yankees are 65-36, and 36, so I don't see the Seattle Mariners or the Oakland A's going on a run to upseat the New York Yankees, especially with the moves that they've just made. So, in the AL, we have Astros, Indians, Yankees, Red Sox. Yes. Who comes out of that? Who goes to the World Series from those four? The last wild card, I'm actually going to go kind of off the rails here. I'm going to pick Oakland. Oh, to take out the, the, the last no, the last wild card to oh, make the spot, uh-huh. uh, and then I think the Yankees will actually win the one game wild card, and then they would play the top seed, which will more than likely be Boston. So, oh, that'll be a a crazy series, a five game series, yeah. New York, Boston. So Cleveland versus Houston is what's looking like is going to happen as well. Uh huh. And then and then Red Sox, Astros, who wins? Red Sox, uh, Yankees. I'm gonna go with. You know what? I'm going to go with the Yankees. Oh, okay. I, I think the Yankees have a the bullpen to beat the Red Sox. I think they do. Well, I would love that because I think the Yankees and the Astros have created in the last couple of years what has become a a a, a, a fledgling rivalry. I mean, it really has the feel of kind of a rivalry. Obviously, it won't supplant the the Red Sox, 
but the Astros and the Yankees have played each other a lot in very meaningful games in the last couple of years. Yes. So I'd love to see that again. Last year's uh, ALCS, I want to say it was, the Yankees and Astros took years off of my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to say, like, being a Ranger fan, the Astros have always been my second favorite team, but then they came into the AL West, so it's like, do I want to cheer for them? Do I not want to cheer for them? So I was like kind of cheering for the Yankees, kind of cheering for the Astros. So it was just taking a bunch of years off my life all at the same time because obviously I wanted the Rangers to be the first team in Texas to win a World Series. But, of course, that did not happen. So Astros, Yankees, who wins? Astros and Yankees in the ALCS. I'm taking the Yankees this year. I think the wow. Yankees are going to make the World Series. I okay. really do. So. I'm going to move the Yankees over. They're, they're half of it now. Go through the National All right, let's go through the National League. I think that Atlanta is going to win the NL East. I think they're going to beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia has a younger team that uh, I think are, are going to struggle down the stretch. They have a younger team that's going to struggle down the stretch. Of course, they have Jake Arrieta who can stabilize their rotation for the rest of the year. But I just feel like Atlanta is young and hungrier than Philadelphia. All right. Uh, the Central, I'm going to take the Milwaukee Brewers to upseat the Cubs in the Central, but the Cubs are still going to win a wild card berth. Well, if it can't be the Cardinals, then I'm I'm all for the Brewers. Yes, for sure, the Cubs will make the wild card as well. But okay, in, so in the West, you can't you can't pick against the Dodgers in the West. You can't do it, especially now that they have Manny Machado. I feel like they're going to go on a run. And yeah, I think Kershaw's healthy. I mean, you know. He's he's pretty healthy. He's not on the DL right now, is he? He's I don't believe he is. I don't no. believe he is. And uh so I got the the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Braves. The Cubs as one wild card. Cubs and then for the second wild card, let's see who am I gonna take here. Second wild card, I'm gonna go with let's go Arizona. Arizona? Arizona. I'm gonna go How with the Dodgers. How far out are the Pirates? The Pirates are three and a half games out. Okay. I feel like they could make a run as well. The NL is wide open for it the really wild cards. Really You've is. got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams that are still close in the wild card race. So it's completely unpredictable. It's why I love baseball. Any team can win on any day. Okay. Arizona, Milwaukee, Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta. Who comes out of that? I think MLB is going to get the matchup that they want. And it's going to be the New York Yankees versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. Wow. I mean, I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. And you're right. I mean, I mean, Major League Baseball would absolutely drool over that match. Yes, they would, especially with the ratings kind of going down like, it, like they have been. I feel like something like that, a major market World Series, will bring some audience back to Major League Baseball. You know, you're such a baseball fan. If you were the commissioner or if you were, uh, you know— the, if your charge was to try and breathe some life into the ratings, what would you do? It's easy. I'd bring the pitch clock. The pitch clock that has been uh, going on in the minor leagues has been phenomenal for the pace of play. With the way that the world is now with technology, everybody's attention span seems to be a lot smaller than it has been. Yeah. I feel like something as simple as a pitch clock, which they had in the Futures game, this past week, which was a three-hour ball game, and there were nine home, eight or nine home runs hitting the game. Three-hour ball game. Yeah, I think a lot of people who watched uh, soccer or the World Cup for the first time, they were shocked that it's it's two hours and it's over. 
You know, and I found it just great that the clock didn't stop and everything. If we can speed up baseball, limit the timeouts. I mean, I'd, I'd add to that limiting the timeouts. Batters calling timeout, pitchers, you know, infielders talking among each other. You get, you know, maybe maybe five of those a game or four of those a game. And, uh, and a pitch clock, I'm with you. It's, it's, you've got to do something to speed the game up. And then I also, I'm not a big fan of the shift. I, I'm, not I'm not a big, a big fan, fan of the shift. Well. And I'm not so sure that that doesn't really hurt baseball. You know, between between launch angles and the analytics of saying, just like the NBA now is dominated by the three, Major League Baseball is dominated by the long ball. And, uh, you know, for the first time, I think, uh, the first half of this season, strikeouts, there were more strikeouts than hits. And yes, that, that just has never happened before in the history of Major League Baseball. So something has to be done that brings back a little more station-to-station baseball. I get fans love the home run. But, I mean, we talked about Bryce Harper getting traded. Bryce Harper's hitting two sixteen, I yeah. think, right now. You know what they – you know what they used to call back in the old days somebody who hits two sixteen? What do they call him? A pitcher. <laughs> That's I'm an sure old Bri- job. I'm That's sure Bryce Harper could pitch a little bit though. <laughs> He's got a pretty good arm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, the, really, it, it is interesting that Bryce Harper's considered one of the one of the big stars in the league, and he does when he gets a hold of it, it goes. And he's got, you know, I mean, his his stats besides batting average are impressive, but two sixteen. That's that. That is anemic. That's that's uh, Omar Moreno back in the day with the with the with the Pirates. Anyway, I, I think there's something that needs to be done about the shift. I completely agree with you on the pitch clock. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I mean, Dylan. First of all, thank you so much for being the producer of this show. Of course. But uh, it's just great fun to talk to you about sports, and uh, we're, we're gonna kind of have you on as. You know, whenever you feel like you have something to say, you come to me and say, Monty, I want to be on, and you'll be on. I, I've enjoyed this a lot. And uh, we're going to get your brother in town next week. He's going to leave Annapolis, going to come to Austin. I want to meet him. I'm going to ask right now for midshipman Nicholas Hayek to bring us home. You've been listening to The Full Sports Monty with your host, Monty Williams. The Full Sports Monty is a production of the Austin Radio Network.